Hello, welcome to the Thursday afternoon version of Bill Allen's Facebook studies. We are studying through the Daily Bible in chronological order. It is written and edit, it is written by the Lord. <laughs> you saw what I did there, right? Uh, but it is edited by Dr. F. Lagard Smith, wonderful Church of Christ scholar, author, and he uh, has given us a great Bible, uh, daily Bible reading tool, as you have heard me say many times, the best one that I've found. And I'm using it this year. Joyce is using it this year, and others are as well. So as you're reading through it, you come across great passages, great stories, great prophets in the Old Testament, which is where we are right now. And we're in the book of Isaiah starting today. Uh, we're in the 8th century B.C., the 700s. The northern kingdom of Israel will be taken into exile by the Assyrians in 721 B.C., their capital, Samaria, destroyed. Uh, that nation's clock started ticking as soon as it was formed when Jeroboam rebelled and led the people of the northern tribes to rebel against the line of David, his uh, descendant, King Rehoboam, uh, David's grandson on the throne in Jerusalem. But um, the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem, and its people saved by the teaching and preaching of Isaiah and also Micah, whom we will look at and talk about next week. We've looked at some 8th century prophets already. Uh, we've seen uh, the prophet Jonah talking to Nineveh in the capital of Assyria. We've seen uh, Amos and uh, we have uh, heard his strong, strong words. We have seen Hosea and saw how his whole life, his wife, his children, uh, were uh, a message from the Lord uh, to the people. Uh, today we look at uh, Isaiah. And imagine, if you will, being given a task by your supervisor, who your boss, and he gives that to you or she gives that to you, and they tell you, um, I want you to go do this, but there's no way you're going to be successful. You, it will end in failure, but I still want you to go do this. Well, that's kind of what happens with Isaiah. Uh, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 6. It's the passage that talks about Isaiah's call. We're going to look at the second part first, and then at the end we'll come back to the first part. But the second part is seen in Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 9. Listen to these words and see if they don't just stir you up to say, um, I don't know, here am I, send me. Uh, Isaiah 6, verse 9. Make the heart of this people... Actually, in verse 9, God said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land, that remnant that we hear talked about throughout the Old Testament prophets, saying that God will provide a remnant, a stump, that will continue to live in spite of 
uh, the death and destruction and exile that God brings on everyone else. God tells Isaiah, I want you to go tell this people, but listen, they're not going to understand. They're not going to hear. They're not going to turn until the time is right, and that's going to be down the line. Isaiah is called primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah, and during the time of King Hezekiah, it actually did respond to Isaiah's preaching and teaching and saved the nation from being destroyed and having the same fate as the northern kingdom of Israel did at the hands of the Assyrians. But it will only be for a while because in 150 or so years, uh, in five, starting actually in 605 BC, the people of the southern kingdom of Judah at the hands of the Babylonians this time will be taken into captivity and exile in several different groups and ultimately the city of Jerusalem destroyed, including Solomon's Grand Temple in 586 BC. Just like with Jeremiah and Habakkuk who prophesied and tried to get people to repent in the days of the Babylonians, um, Isaiah coming uh, decades earlier uh, finds some of the same experience. Remember the 8th century world is a very dynamic time for the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel with its uh, kings including Jeroboam II living in a very prosperous time. We see even in the words that we'll look at from Isaiah today. They were blessed with material things and uh, they had uh, borders that had extended uh, quite a bit during the time of King Jeroboam II, but they were um, they were filled with idolatry and immorality, and they were not worshiping and serving the living God according to His Word and His law. And so God sent prophets to them. He sent Amos and Hosea, as we have seen, to the northern kingdom of Israel. He sends Micah and Isaiah primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah, but they have much the same fate. There are so many that do not respond, but some do. And so Isaiah begins his ministry by speaking out against the sins of his day. We turn back then to the first chapter of Isaiah, and we read the first nine verses first of all, and you'll get an idea of what's to come. <clears throat> Isaiah 1.1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. They were the ones who were descended from King David, uh, reigned in Jerusalem. Verse 2, Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. He's not talking about Egypt. He's not talking about Assyria. He's not talking about Babylon. He's talking about the people of God. That's what they had done. Verse 5, Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured and your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Verse 7, your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut 
in a cucumber field, like a city under siege, unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. And we have to ask ourselves, what is their terrible, terrible sins that God is so, uh, uh, is punishing them to such great depths for? Well, we keep reading in Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 10, and he tells us exactly what it is. And it sounds very much like Hosea, and very much like Amos, and very much like Micah will sound, and we read it in a few days, uh, very much like Psalm 50, very much like those great prophetic messages that say you need to straighten up your life. You need to have a sincere and obedient faith that is seen not just in your external worship, and your sacrifices and your offerings and your practices, but from your heart and how you treat one another, how you love your neighbor as yourself and act with integrity and honesty and love and consideration. That's what Jesus would rebuke his uh, Jewish leaders for. That's what Isaiah is about to do. And some of the strongest words you'll read anywhere, uh, New Testament or Old, Isaiah 1, beginning at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Let me just say that when the preacher starts out calling you Sodom and Gomorrah, it's not going to be pretty. Verse 11, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wow. It's like, it's as if Isaiah were here today and he was saying, what, who asked you to, to come and sing these songs to me, God says? Who asked you to partake of this Lord's Supper? Who asked you to uh, pray to me? I'm not even listening because... Well, he's about to tell us why. Even though they were doing all of those things that God commanded, God said he hated them. Why would he say such strong words? Isaiah gives us the answer starting in Isaiah 1 verse 16. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the cause of the widow. Come, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Stop doing evil. Learn to do right, God said. Uh, seek justice. Defend the oppressed. They were not defending the oppressed. They were taking advantage of them. And God saw it and he was not pleased. But even here, God says, look, if you'll just come to me, uh, though your sins be as scarlet. Remember that old hymn? 
they shall be as white as snow. They, they will be forgiven. I will forgive them. I will forgive you, God says, but not because you come to church, but rather because you turn to me with your whole heart. Coming to church is a part of that. God had commanded these very sacrifices and Sabbaths and new moon festivals and all of those things. He had commanded them. One of the Ten Commandments is to honor the Sabbath, punishable uh, by death if you didn't. God is not saying don't do those things. He's saying don't do those things without having your heart in them. Have your heart in it. Uh, and let your deeds, your actions, the way you treat others, demonstrate that your heart is given over to the Lord. Uh, consider the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, those who are in need, and need the help of those who have it to do. Unfortunately, the people of Judah and Israel at this time in the 8th century B.C., uh, we're not doing that at all. Very powerful statement in Isaiah 1, verses, 20, verses 10 through 20, followed up with more condemnation uh, in the words that follow. And then in chapter 2, Isaiah begins to talk about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord that some of them wanted to come. And yet, Isaiah says, much like the other prophets we've already seen, believe me, you don't want that day to come until you're ready and you're not ready. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 2, we'll read starting in verse 6. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. See if some of these things don't sound familiar. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low, and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks. Hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord with the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled, and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, the day of the Lord. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. Skipping down in Isaiah 2 to verse 17. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to caves and the rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. That's what's going to happen in that day, that day of the Lord, Isaiah says, and it won't be pretty. It won't be pretty for those who have turned their backs on the word and will of God. And the Lord is righteous in his anger, and he, like he does in the, in, from the mouth of Jesus, his son, in Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah has many stories that he shares. And perhaps one of the most famous ones is uh, the story of the vineyard, the song, the parable of the vineyard. In Isaiah chapter 5, listen to the wonderful imagery that Isaiah uses to describe God's displeasure with the sinfulness of his people. Isaiah 5, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. 
Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than what I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you, verse 5, what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, that protective hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. Verse 7, the application. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. God had blessed his people. He had given them his word. He has given them his will. He had given them his protection, built a hedge around them, built a wall around them. And yet when he goes and he looks for good fruit, like the vineyard in the parable in the song, he found only bad fruit, only cries of distress, only bloodshed, not justice, not righteousness. That's what God had called for. That's what these, pre these preachers, these wonderful prophets, Isaiah, Micah, Amos, Hosea, um, Joel, all of them, they call out to God. And they call out to God's people. And God is not pleased. The song of the vineyard, the parable of the vineyard, in Isaiah chapter 5, it continues on with this uh, screaming of displeasure uh, from the Lord. Uh, we'll read just some of this, starting in Isaiah 5, verse 8. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left, and you live alone in the land. The Lord Almighty has declared in my hearing, surely the great houses will become de desolate, the fine mansions left without occupants. And he goes on and talks about how God, even though he had blessed them with material prosperity, it was going to all go away. And we can't help but think of our own nation today and how God has blessed us. And yet as we turn, it seems farther and farther away from him, away from what is right, away from his word and his will, worshiping other gods, specifically ourselves and our own desires. Um, God is not pleased with us any more than he was with the people of Israel and Judah in the 700s BC. And in the same way, God comes to his vineyard today looking for good fruit. What does he find? What does he find? He finds immorality. He finds selfishness. He finds pride. Uh, he doesn't find the oppressed, the poor being taken care of like he would like. Um, it is up to us, his people, the church, to first of all, live faithfully ourselves with that righteousness and love and consideration and integrity and faithfulness and obedience. And then it's up to us to share that message of God with those around us in a loving and humble but truthful way. That's what Isaiah is trying to do. That's what we are called to do as well. Throughout the rest of Isaiah chapter 5, he, he um, announces the doom and destruction upon the people of God because of their unrighteousness, their immorality, their idolatrous worship of other gods rather than the one true and living God. And some of the most ominous words can be found several times in this section in the book of Isaiah. We'll read it from chapter 5 in verses 24 and 25. 
Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will be decay, so their roots will decay, decay and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake and the dead bodies are like refuse in the streets. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Oh. And all of the things that God has already punished them, he's not done. He's not done because of their unrighteousness, because of their disobedience, because of their sin. Um, those words there at the end of verse 25, yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. So we ask, why, why in the world would Isaiah take this job? Well, that gets us to chapter 6. And in Isaiah 6, before we get to that part where God says, they're not going to listen to you, but I'm sending you anyway. We read the first several verses and it tells us exactly why Isaiah was willing to go. Isaiah chapter 6 begins with this very clear statement of who is on the throne of God's people. Chapter 6 verse 1, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, probably out of humility. With two they covered their feet, uh, because they were unclean but ready to go. And with two they were flying. At a moment's notice, when God would send, they would fly, they would go. Verse 3, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their thresh, at their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Later on in the book of Revelation, we'll see John's vision of the same thing. God on the heavens, the voices, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And John will, will sink and will have the same reaction of worship that uh, Isaiah has as well. Verse 4 of Isaiah 6, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When he says, I am a man of unclean lips, he's calling himself a leper. And I live among a people of unclean lips. I live among a people who are leprous. Uh, what the Old Testament law required of a leper was to put their hand over their mouths and keep a distance uh, and uh, hold out their arm and say, unclean, unclean. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom the holiness that I'm looking at. I'm a leper in the presence of God. Um, and, and he says, I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, and here I am a sinful leper among a people of sinful lepers. Verse 6 of Isaiah 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, unclean lips, and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Rather than being put to death, 
because of this marvelous vision of the Lord on the throne in the year in the same uh, year that the earthly king, the king of Judah, died, King Isaiah. Uh, rather than being put to death because of that, uh, Isaiah is saved and he's spared. His life is saved. His sins are forgiven. Uh, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. It's the only right response when we have received the cleansing and healing and forgiveness of the Lord. When we know that we're lepers in God's sight, when we see that holy God upon the throne, when we actually have a vision of God on the throne, and we recognize him for all of his might and his holiness and his power and his justice, then we realize that we are sinners, we are dead, and God saves us and forgives us. But then comes the call, okay? It doesn't end with you, Bill. There are people who need to hear the same message of God's healing and God's forgiveness that you have now received. Who will, who will I send? Who will go? Here am I. Send me. That is the only right response. Last night here at West Irwin, we had a marvelous message from our brother and my friend Eric Thornton telling us, don't drop the ball. <laughs> don't drop the ball. Uh, don't let it end with you. There are people out there who need your example, who need your message, who need your life. And God has prepared you in wonderful ways with life experiences that will help you connect with people. Look around like that Samaritan woman of John 4 that um, Eric talked about last night. Jesus reached out to her, and, then, and unexpectedly so, and then she reached out to the people of her village, unexpectedly so, and they all came to see for themselves. That's what God calls us to do, just like Eric shared last night. And that's what Isaiah does. Here am I, send me. He has an experience of seeing the, the vision of the Lord on the throne, realizing he is a dead man and yet is spared. And now the call comes, who will share this message? Isaiah says, I, I don't care that they won't listen to me. I don't care if they repent or not, but if this is the message that the one who has meant so much to me and who has saved me, wants me to share, then I'll share it. If this is the message that the one on the throne wants me to share, I'll share. Do you remember Jesus' brothers and sisters, even his own mother, when he was living and ministering and they refused to believe in him, sometimes said he was crazy? And yet we find two of his brothers, Jude, one, and James, uh, writing part of the New Testament. James himself being uh, shared in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament as a leader of God's people in Jerusalem. What was the difference? Paul tells us, at least with James in 1 Corinthians 15, that James saw the resurrected Jesus. When he's recounting the resurrection appearances of Jesus, he includes James, the Lord's brother, and it changed his life. He was never the same. This changed Isaiah's life. He was never the same. What will change your life? What will cause you to raise up your hand and say, here am I, Lord, send me. I, I don't know where you want me to go or who you want me to talk to, but I'll go anywhere and I'll talk to anybody. I'll share the message that you have given me, your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your forgiveness. And now your mission, 
and that is to share that same message with others. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I hope your answer is the same as Isaiah's. Here am I. Send me. I'll see you on Tuesday.